God is great. John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. God is great. Hello, folks. It's, uh, I guess I usually say hello, coffee lovers, and I'm really out of sorts. I know y'all, a lot of people watched last week, um, and we're very grateful for that. Um, I have guests in the shop tonight, and I'm really excited about that. Um, it's 1900. It's time for God Country Coffee. And um, I'm going to start out tonight with uh, a reading from James. It's uh, James 1. And um, this is Paul. I'm sorry, this is, this is James the brother of Jesus. And uh, it's the, uh, the title of the first chapter is The Testing of Your Faith. It says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Um, I really like the way that ends, lacking in nothing. God knows his children. He knows what we need, and he knows what we're going to endure on this earth. And he knows that if we're just faithful, if we just be obedient, that he's going to take care of everything, and we have to take comfort in that. And so um, that's the reading for today. Um, we're going to change the whole outlook on this podcast because it used to be about whatever and we would get guests and just talk. But, um, you know, with things, if you were, if you haven't, if you've been overseas, you know, in a cave or something and don't know what's going on, uh, my son committed suicide the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And so it's been a journey for us, uh, something that we had no idea, um, how to go about. And so, uh, this is only the second podcast that we're doing. Uh, since then. And so um, it's going to take a little time to adjust, but um, what God has put on my heart, God has put on Connie's heart, all of our friends, um, is that we have to show God in this tragedy. We have to show everything that he's doing um, with my son's death. And, and it's beautiful to start seeing. I, I, I know that doesn't sound right, but it, it is to, to see what God's doing uh, with, all, with just the family alone is, is magnificent enough. But um, so before I get too much further down that road, uh, Micah, you guys have seen a video clip of him before. Uh, this is this is my my right hand man. I mean, this guy is running my business. Um He's doing every aspect of it. He's roasting, shipping. He's talking to customers. He's doing deliveries. Um, he is absolute joy to be around. His family is an absolute blessing to our family. Even before uh, the tragedy, the Johnsons were already a part of our family. Um, and, and so was Nathan. We met Nathan last year at an event, actually, at a coffee event. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, Micah Johnson and believe it or not, he's only 16 years old, and uh, he's more mature than a lot of the adults that I know. So uh, it, it's just amazing to uh, to have him with us. 
And my other guest tonight is uh, another brother in Christ, um, Nathan Gavick, and he is a United States Air Force pilot and stationed here at Randolph. And uh, we kind of got closer recently because uh, we didn't know, but they've also lost a, a child. And so they had some insight that they were able to share with us. Uh, and, you know, God works in such ways that we can't even fathom. And Nathan lives on the river, probably two properties or three properties down from where we baptized JC. And so we're going to spread his ashes uh, in the springtime uh, at that exact same location. It's going to be a big party and we're going to have uh, JC's favorite foods and we're going to have music. Um, and maybe we even have some people that get baptized that day. And um, and then we're going to scatter his ashes, and, and uh, that'll be the last memory of of his flesh, of his worldly flesh. Something I want you to know about Micah is that Micah is one of ten, so he's got nine siblings, one sister, and eight brothers. Uh, and I can tell you that everybody in that family knows the Lord. Every one of them, from the oldest one to the youngest one, uh, they all know the Lord. And so uh, my guests are pretty amazing. And what I want to do is I'm going to let each of you just introduce yourself a little bit. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about working for me. You want to talk about your family, church. I don't care. Just a couple of minutes and just, you know, say, hi, I'm Micah. And this is me. So I met Jr. in the country church band when I very first started going. Um, two or three weeks into me going to the country church, I started playing the acoustic guitar in the band and Jr. played the 12 string. So then we got to talking a little bit, and I got his number. And then somewhere along the way, two years later, I'm working for him now <laughs> and um, running into business with him a little bit. And it's been really fun and getting to know him and Connie and just the people that we get to reach with the coffee business and the veterans and just everything. And then we live on a farm. I'm the second out of 10, so they're all pretty little. Um, it's been really good. We met Nathan. Where did we meet you? <laughs> violin, I think, with our yeah violin, uh, violin lessons at TOU. Yeah. And then we ended up getting pretty close, just the two families, and he watches our farm, and it's been really good. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, like Jr. said, uh, Nathan Gavick. So I'm. Uh, in the Air Force, so my story, I guess, faster, funnier, it would be um, me and my wife, Jada, are from Minnesota originally. Um, we got married and then pretty much right away moved down to Mississippi uh, for the Air Force and pilot training there, stayed on as an instructor there, then went to um, Abilene, Texas um, to fly the B-1 there, and then lastly came here to Randolph. And I buzz the I buzz JR's hot here every <laughs> once in a while with the T thirty eight because we have an airfield just uh, not too it was about a stone's throw from here that we do approaches that um, pretty regularly. So yeah, um, well, that's kind of a big picture. So yeah, me and my wife, we have three kids. We have uh, two boys and a girl. Uh, we had a son um, in between the oldest and the second oldest currently. So he would have been the second oldest, Isaac. Um, and like JR said, he passed away. Um, number of years ago, about seven years ago. And so that's been something that obviously we've worked through and I'm sure we'll get more into that. But um, I met JR, I think it was about a year ago. 
Um, there's a Kingsbury Airfield little event that they put on a fly-in every once in a while. And so I like airplanes. Some friends of mine told me about it. They said it was a good time. So I went there. And lo and behold, I also like coffee a lot. <laughs> so I see this uh, coffee booth and, you know, JR and Connie are there. And so I, you know, slowly work my way up there and just start a conversation and ask him about the coffee. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's good, all natural stuff. We get it from a missionary. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And it's local. <laughs> and I roast it here. And I was like, I've been looking for a fresh uh, roast or like a, a place that roasts it so I can get it fresh um, with good quality beans. And I was like, this is a match made in heaven, which was obviously a God thing. Um, and it's just been continuing to be a God thing, um, obviously, as we continue our relationship. And we've uh, had some some times of fellowship since then. And it's been awesome to get to know JR and Connie. So. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> You know, if you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, that I was going to have somebody in our house, in our in our in our church house, our body of, and I'm going to say this right now, church is about the body, not the building, and so Nathan doesn't go to our church, but we're all one body, and God prepares you for everything, whether you think He's doing it or not, and so He prepared me for this event that happened because. Uh, my son and I were pretty opposite, polar opposites for a long time. And um, and once we became a young man, it got even worse. We hardly talked to each other. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that I was going to need some peace with that. And eventually I just reached out to my son. I said, hey, come over to the house. Let's hang out. Let's eat. Let's talk. You know, and I asked my son to forgive me for the way that I raised him because I was a terrible dad. And people say, oh, you probably weren't. No, I really was. Uh, at that time I was doing drugs. I would drop my son off at my mom's so I could go do drugs. And um, and, I, and that wasn't the big thing, but the big thing was I was very, very selfish. And so if I had, you know, uh, you know, if I wanted to go out and drink with the boys, I would drop JC off. Uh, if I wanted to do whatever, didn't matter, whatever JR wanted, drop JCL because my mom's there. We're good. And I can go do whatever I want. And so, uh, and he felt that eventually as he grew up and, and it split us apart. And then once I realized it, you know, I started going back to church, but I wasn't saved yet. I was checking boxes. Um, and then once I finally did, I knew how important it was. And I, 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 we mended that relationship. Uh, and then uh, that was probably, um, almost two years after my dad died. And then three years, 2019, is when JC had his spiritual battle with the devil and told me the, the greatest thing I think I've ever heard from anybody. You know, dad, the devil offered me this and all I had to do was renounce God and I chose God. And so uh, those of us who have surrendered fully know how big that is. And so... Um, he, God was already preparing me for all this stuff. And then he's putting people in place. You know, we met Nathan a year ago. We met the Johnsons probably two years ago. And so Micah's mom and dad have been really big in support uh, from this thing. From the very, In fact, we were at their house, I think, uh, two days after it happened. Uh, and so Micah's kind of sat through uh, a lot of the conversations that we've had about, you know, what we're supposed to do. And, and, and Nathan has given me some, just some really cool insight because 
um, I'll be honest with you. I have felt, um, I felt like I wasn't grieving enough or I wasn't breaking down enough, almost as if I didn't care or something. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, I have broken down, <laughs> you know, y'all saw me last week. I could barely talk for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but that's kind of been the worst of it. It hasn't been much worse than that. Um, and I was telling Connie last night and I'm going to say this and then we're going to, we're going to do a round robin here about God because um, I titled this thing, you know, I think I said something about lean on God. Um, and so I really want to focus and I know we all have something to bring to the table, but uh, you know, I came home and I was talking to Connie uh, about my trip home yesterday from travel and, and I was, I felt the Holy Spirit just lift me up and I felt that peace and I sang all the way home. I was listening to my music. I was listening to the songs that we chose for my son's memorial, which I, at first I kind of thought was, well, I'm setting myself up for failure here, but um, it didn't work out that way. Um, and I'm still kind of on that, you know, I hate to say it's, a, it's kind of like a high. It's kind of a, an emotional high. Um, where I don't feel horrible. Um, and I got home and Connie says, uh, so we have a group with, with JC's mom and Sonia and Andrew. And, um, we, we share scripture and our trials through this. And we're kind of documenting all four of us independently are kind of documenting because we had a hard time finding written resources for this kind of thing. Cause there's no textbook. Right. So, um, she started, uh, we have a, a file that we've started and people add stuff to it. And I got home last night and Connie's like, I wrote something today. And I was like, what'd you write? And she's like, you can't worship if you're mourning. And we're, we're put on this earth to worship God. We're put on this earth to praise him and to glorify his name. And you can't worship and praise God if you're mourning. And I'm not saying that you're not supposed to mourn. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but that just kind of like hit me so hard. And then, and then my mentor at church told me a couple of days ago, he said, um, find in the Bible where the apostles were tore up in the corner, you know, isolating themselves after Jesus died, after the savior of the world allowed himself to be beaten and murdered. And then he left them. And now it does say that they were alone for a few days and I'm pretty sure they shed some tears. I'm pretty sure it wasn't all happy, right? Till the Holy Spirit came in and filled them um, till Jesus came back and, and they, they had their master back. But there's, there's not a lot written in the scripture except for Christ weeping for his sheep, right? He cried when shortest Bible verse in the whole thing is Jesus wept. Lazarus died, he cried. So, but that's different because that's our shepherd crying for his sheep. There's not a lot about the sheep, you know, uh, on that particular subject. And so if we do what we're supposed to on this earth and we share the gospel with everybody, we plant those seeds, God will cultivate them and harvest them. And we'll see each other again. And so, um, this topic today for this podcast was going to be basically to lean on God. And uh, 
it's kind of why I read from James, because James talks about going through trials. And the more you go through these trials and this muck, God strengthens you. And so um, anything that you want to throw in on that? I know you've got a lot of of uh, great insight that I greatly appreciate, but I'm sure that people listening can really gain something from it too. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad you read that verse. That, that was one of the verses that was meaningful to us uh, when we were going through, obviously, that whole grieving process as well. Um, you know, it, during those times, not a lot makes sense, at least for a while. And uh, for us, it was really like leaning into the word, um, leaning into, you know, pastors and teachers that were just speaking into our lives. Ultimately, again, just the word, um, the time in prayer, uh, the time just um, with the Lord and, and seeking his peace. And, and then kind of like you were sharing, you know, there's some moments where I think we we have an idea mentally what we think mourning should look like or grieving should look like or and I don't you know where all that comes from the movies I'm sure some comes from life <laughs> and other people um, and what they let you see and such but um, one of the verses I was thinking about earlier is like where the Bible talks about we don't mourn like those who have no hope and that was another one of those verses that really came up um, and and we do have hope and we, we can be, it's, it's and, I, and I, when, when you talk about like the joy that you're feeling, that's what comes to my mind is like knowing where our kids are, our children are, is a huge, huge thing. Right. Um, and I know we, we had this conversation the other day and I, and I loved how you're talking about the fact that like, and there's been a lot of things in the world, even the last couple of years that have made me think this too, but just the importance of our children knowing the Lord and, and, you know, we all certainly battle with our own selfishness. Um, that's always the thing. And, um, and you know, maybe we'll talk more about that later. But putting that aside and realizing what's truly important, what's most important, and, and our kids knowing the Lord, and that's just so special. That, I, it, when, when you talk about, like, the redemption and the the reaching out to your son and the, the hum humility of apologizing, like, there's something so beautiful about that because it's the heart of God of reconciliation of bringing that back together. Um, and ultimately again, leading your own son to, to the Lord. And, and again, that goes back to that scripture. Like, we don't mourn like those from the hope. And so that was, that was a big thing for us um, through that process. Um, and then, you know, James, like you were talking about just the idea, like I may not understand exactly how this <laughs> trial is going to accomplish his God's accomplish God's purposes. But he also says right elsewhere that he works all things to the good of those who love him. It doesn't mean he causes all things to happen, but no matter what we do or what the devil does or, or, or whatever the situation may be. And, and certainly he has his hand in, in tending to us and disciplining us when needed and shepherding us. So, I mean, there, but there's a lot of different ways we get in circumstances, but it doesn't matter how we get there, right? He can always redeem it. He can always help us to grow and to learn, um, to have experiences now where we can help other people, right? And be that body of Christ. So those are some things that really just stuck out to me. So that's awesome. Micah? Just going off of Nathan said, you know, the, um, you can, you can talk. It's okay. No, I know. <laughs> And uh, Frank, I am gonna I'm gonna pull up. I'm not trying to be rude to anybody, especially while anybody's talking. But I'm gonna pull up here because uh, 
I know that people tend to uh, chime in and I don't, uh, Connie's usually the one that's on the phone with uh, the different sites uh, uh, trying to figure out like who's, who's asking questions. And so um, I just want to make sure here. Uh, okay. Awesome. Marty Ginger. Uh, I don't know who else. Let's see where are we at. Okay. Um, and then um, let me get over to one other site because I know that God, my God country coffee site. Um, sorry. I, I usually have somebody helping with this. And so, uh, okay, there we go. Katie and Steven, I guys, I appreciate everybody, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the thing about redemption is, uh, the Bible says that in fact, I, I want to say it's in James too. I, I love the book of James. If you haven't read your Bible yet, I strongly recommend James. the book of James. James. It's very short. There's like four or five chapters. Mm -hmm. They're not very long, but you want to talk about powerful. Yeah. Um, there's a part in, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in James where he says um, that there is but one who has the power to save and one to, to, to destroy. And that's God. And so the funny thing is, is he offers us everything that he has. Yeah. And all we have to do is accept it. Um, and it's funny because for years I, I thought, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a good person. I don't do anybody. You know, I don't lie out there killing anybody. I'm not stealing stuff. I'm good. Um, and I knew that Jesus was Jesus. I knew who he was. I knew that he was born of the Virgin Mary. I knew that he died for us. I knew that he rose on the third day. I knew all these things. But let me look. I'm going to hurt some feelings here, but it's not enough to know. It is not enough to know these things. The Bible says even the demons knew and they shuddered. So. Yeah. It's not enough just to know. You have to surrender. You have to get to a point. Um, and it's, it's, Connie gets mad when I say these things, but the fact is God uses each of us for his purpose. And he picks us for different reasons because Micah might be able to get through to, to, to some people that, I, that wouldn't even listen to me. They won't listen to Nate. They won't listen to anybody, but they'll listen to him. Same thing with me, same thing with Nathan. We all have a personality that God can use for his purpose. And so if it wasn't for Connie, I wouldn't have got saved. My dad wouldn't have got saved and my son wouldn't have got saved. And I'm not going to say that it never would have happened because God is God. And his, his will is going to be done whether we participate with it or not. And so had I not married Connie, God would have had a different plan for my dad coming to know the Lord, he would have had a different plan for JC. But the fact is, his, he did use her in my case. He did use her in my dad's case. He did use her in my son. So you have to let yourself be used. You have to be able to let go and let God do what he's going to do uh, if, you, if you plan to get anywhere with your faith. Because being a good person, checking boxes, let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of really good, morally sound people that go to hell. Plain and simple. It's an ugly truth. Nobody wants to talk about it. But 
um, I kind of have an attitude right now, you know, because I believe I've reached out to several of my friends. Hey, do you know that you know that you know that you know that your kids are good with God? And if you don't, how do we fix it? How do we make it right? Um, you talk about somebody who knew the importance, you know, his mom and dad, they got 10 of them. They all know. Not like one or two of them. All of them. We had three and we fought with them tooth and nail. Uh, and let me tell you, Connie had those conversations with with our daughters, Katie and Danielle, you know, shortly after. And uh, they're not easy conversations to have, not even with your children, you know. But uh, there has to be a point in your life where you say, I don't really care about what is probably okay or what feels good or what feels uncomfortable uh, because ultimately we need to be doing God's will. We need to be doing, you know, Jesus said, I'm about my father's work. And so we have to be about the father's work too. And, um, and when we get lazy and we get sidetracked from that, and, and I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm not, trust me, I promise you, I sit on a regular basis. And if it's not coming out of my mouth, you know, it's, you know, gluttony. I mean, look, I'm a perfect example of what not to do with food. Uh, God's working on me. I'm not complying very well in that department. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and it's okay to, to not comply all the time. I'm not saying it's desirable. It's going to happen because we're stupid and we're going to make bad decisions. And so, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Because that's that's a lot of us, I think. We just we make bad decisions. Yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, I would whether it's food or anger or there's a whole list of things that could be. And yeah. it's, for each of us, it's, it's probably a little bit different. Um, and, and, and I'm going to take that whole idea of, like, the things that kind of hold us back and it, it, things that we struggle with even, right? Whether it's um, like for me, like there's times where I'm like, man, I need to be more um, gentle or kind or I need to respond differently when my kids do something wrong. Um, you know, obviously the, they need to be corrected and they need to be told, you know, what the right thing is, but how I do that is very important. And so that's been something that, um, that I've been, that's been on my heart to like do better at. Um, because when, when, when you talk about their family, for instance, right? Having 10 kids and the mom knowing the Lord, like, that's like, you know, 100%, right? Being <laughs> through the uprights, touchdown, however you want to say it, right? That's amazing. But, and I bring that back, like, you get that by having that relationship with your kids. And you, you have a good relationship with your kids because your kids know that you care about them. It doesn't mean you don't correct them. It doesn't yeah. mean you don't teach them. It doesn't mean you don't discipline them. But you do it in a way that they know it's because you love them. And you do love them. And you show that. And... Um, so I, I just think that's, that's super important. That's just something that I've been thinking about and working on in my own life. But the other thing that you said that I, maybe I wanted to add to it from my experience was this idea of like, you kind of feel charged up right now about like, Hey, are your, do your kids know the Lord? Right. Or does, do, do you know the Lord? Anybody like, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's interesting when to, that plus, I'm going to add a, another aspect to it. Like when, when we lost Isaac, um, I just felt like the whole world like slowed almost to a stop. Like time basically meant nothing to me. 
Like, you know, we all live our lives and we find plenty of things to fill it, right? We're typically busy. We got hundred things going on. Uh, it's go, go, go. It's work. It's kids. It's school. It's whatever. Um, but when this happened, like everything stopped, everything stopped, nothing mattered. Um, you know, obviously I was on um, like emergency leave from my work and we were just sorting it out. Jada and I and our family was around us because we were back in Minnesota um, during that time. Um, but I remember just like when that happened and everything slowed down, um, one thing was, was kind of what you're saying, like what's truly important in life started to be like, you could see it, you could you knew what it was and it's not hard to find. It's just, we fill our lives with so much stuff that we pass it by without even realizing it. And so when all that stuff is, is brushed away, like you see much more clearly, like what's truly important. And you realize like it's people knowing the Lord, it's yeah. people knowing that no one's good except for God. So it doesn't matter how good we are. We don't earn our way to Christ. Like, or we, we don't earn our way to heaven. No. Um, it's only by his blood and our acceptance of that, that, that we get there. I mean, it was a free gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Um, we still don't, but he, he gave it to us anyway, because that's how much he wanted, he loved us and he wanted to be connected to us. Um, but that all you, like, we have, you have time to see that. Right. <laughs> and so like busyness is like certainly a strategy of the devil. And we, we are like, oh yeah, I'm busy. Everybody's doing it. Let's do that too. Um, and so, you know, even now, like I look back at, at just like what that was like, and I, I'll be honest, I'm not the most patient driver. Uh, well, it certainly didn't grow up <laughs> the most patient driver, but I remember during that time, uh, maybe I would drive a little over the speed limit previously. Like I was, I don't know, like I, I had no hurry to get anywhere. I, I just like, and if somebody in front of me was going five, no, five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour below the speed limit, the only thing in my mind that I could think about is like, wow, I wonder what through, what they're going through right now. Mm. Like maybe they just lost a son. And, and they're distracted by that. And they're not even thinking about who's behind them. They don't care. Cause I'm in my, you know, normally I'd be back there thinking you selfish person, what are you doing? Get out of my way. Or, as I'm driving past them being like the, the speed limit 65, didn't you know? And so me having that experience, you having that experiences and other experiences that like slow our life down. I just sat there and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in the person's life. Maybe maybe they are selfish and they just don't care or maybe they're going th maybe they just got they just got um out of the hospital and somebody told them they had cancer or or any number of things and again i don't want to overstate that but i'm just saying like it just that that slowing down of life the the recognition of what's truly important um the seeing people not just as an obstacle in my way to where i'm going um was just so, it, it, it was brought out in and I fight for that now. I have to fight for that even today because like as life goes on, right? Life gets busy again and, and we let it. And so like, I have to go back to those times and think like, all right, what did I learn? And, and am I am I still like doing that? And it's a constant process because the world wants to drag you into all that stuff. Um, hmm. But, you know, just trying to like, be, it's, it's kind of like that scripture, right? Be still and know that I'm God, right? Just spending time in his presence. Um, and, and the other thing that I took away from kind of the experience that I just described mostly about driving is like, I realized that I, I'm, I, I like to maximize my time. 
to my, my coworkers, like I'll, I'll have to, you know, be at work at seven 30 or whatever at different times every day. But you know, maybe I need to be there at seven 30. Like I will, I've got my drive down so that I get there like you know, nine minutes prior, just in case there's any little extra things, but I don't like to do it like 15 or 20 minutes prior. And I'm not proud of this, by the way, like, I actually need to do better at this, but like, so I say all that to, like, I value my sleep. I, I know exactly how long I need to get out of bed you know, shave, brush my teeth or whatever, eat breakfast, get in the car and get there just in time to have time to do a couple things. And then 20 know, minutes for me. Get, <laughs> there you go. It's like an hour and a half for me. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but anyway, all that to say in that, in, in that time, right. One of the things that I took away from it and I, like I said, I haven't, this is something I relearned is the busyness or, or being like late to things is, is something that like puts a lot of pressure on you yeah. because if you're late to work or if you're late to some engagement, you are that much more triggered to being mad at that person for doing something that's slowing you down. And you know, it's the funniest thing, right? Like we were like, oh. they probably slowed you down by like 10 seconds or something like that. Like you got yeah, there like right. 10 seconds later or whatever, but you get mad at it. And, and so anyway, these are the things that I have to, I, I still have to come back to, I'm, I'm, I'm much better with the driving thing, but there's still times where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not as angry as I, I was before, but I'm st it's still, I'm still working at it. I'm like, okay, more quickly. I realize, okay, this isn't something I need to, I need to care about. This is not important. I don't know what's going on. And, um, but it's still, it's still something that like you go through these experiences, you learn some things, you gain some perspective. Um, it, just like you read in James, right. It, the, some of that is, you know, the trials producing patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you know, it has, it's complete. You, you're perfect in an entire wanting nothing. We all want to get to that place, right? Sure we don't in. really want to do the patience <laughs> thing. And we certainly don't want the trial thing. Um, but that's those are the two things that come before that. So yeah. um, just remembering what we learn, taking uh, important lessons, and, and ultimately, again, taking that back to it's about people. God loved people. We should love people. And we should care about what the most important thing is. And the most important thing is, is yeah. people knowing the world. So. I've never really been through an experience, you know, where everything felt like it was slowing down. I've never lost a child or a brother or anything like that. But like you were just saying about people, what I have seen is the amount of people that will come together to support someone who has lost somebody like JR. Yeah. The, the amount of people that come together and are there for him and let him know that they're there for him. And that's really cool to see. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, you know, well, I'm, I'll say this, I, the whole slowing down thing, I've really felt that. Uh, and I've, I've, I've done this enough. I've lost all the men in my family, all the men. I've got one uncle left and, and then my, my cousins, right? We're, we're down to, to our cousins because all, all the men, all the elders men are gone except for one. And so we've been going through this, but it was so different because my dad and my uncles didn't get their feelings hurt over him, you know, whatever. Somebody didn't call him Mr. You know, whatever it is. Uh, they were different kind of characters. And so yeah. uh, the celebration was different when they passed. Plus I wasn't saved yet. And so we bought into a lot of stuff that uh, I look back now just over the last three weeks. Cause because, uh, you know, tomorrow will be three weeks. Uh, and for me to be here in this capacity, talking the way I have been, talking to people at work the way I have, 
perfect strangers. But I, I let me tell you about my son. Do you have two seconds? Just, just let me tell you, mm-hmm. you know, and and so it's it's slowed down enough, like Nathan said, where you start to realize the things that were already there. God was already putting them on your heart. You were just too busy to look at them. Yeah. Uh, and man, we pack our lives full of this, 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 this. And I'll tell you, Connie and I were in this right here, setting this up that when we got the phone call. And since then, even with the three days that we got a cabin up on the lake, up in close to Oklahoma to get away from everybody, God kept putting people in front of us and we haven't had a single day off. We haven't had, uh, you know, it's done so much for my marriage in that we're praying together two or three times a day together. Uh, we're reading the word together. We're sharing the word. Uh, my wife is sharing scripture with my ex-wife. Um, you don't you don't hear that because let's face it, as a people, we're very ungodly. You think God cared about who did who, who did what back in the day? He didn't care about that stuff. He wants to know if we love him because he loves us. Right. And so it's you have to find a way without this tragedy to slow down. Yeah. You know, and I hope, my hope is that is that through this process that we can come up with something that you can put in your hands that you can go through and say, wow, I really need to A, B, C, D right now. Not, not wait till somebody gets sick, not wait till, you know, mom or dad dies of whatever, not wait till somebody, you know, gets in a car accident, you know, it needs to happen now. Um, and, and and I've always known that pastors have a really hard job sitting up there week after week. And let me tell you something. If you're going to church and you're checking boxes, I promise you, your pastor knows who you are. I guarantee you he can feel it. God puts that on his heart. So if you're one of those over there in the back just checking boxes, you know, putting some money in the plate and then going back to your regular, you know, scheduled programming like you're used to, uh, they can sense that. And I, and I feel for them because the urgency that they have to bring people to know the Lord is what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the conversations that Nathan and I had, he said, you know, maybe you're not going to grieve the way we should grieve because God's got something for you. God is using my son's death to bring people to him. Uh, we had a lady that reached out to us uh, through a third party that said how she felt the presence of God in that room that night. And I tell you what, I've been in a room where I have felt the presence of God leave. And that's an ugly, ugly, ugly feeling. And you stop, you stop what you're doing and you, and you, you reconvene another time. But by the same token, I have felt the presence in a room of men, of women, of people 
in the word. And it was there that night. And I don't know how many seeds that were planted, but I mean, this is just one person that responded and said, Hey, I really felt it. It stirred something in my soul. Uh, and so there's no need to wait till somebody dies or does somebody get some kind of sickness that they're, that they're not going to recover from? Somebody could be you. It could. Then it's too late. It is. And, and like Connie said last week, you can't. Once they stop breathing, that's it. There's no do-overs. There's no, oh, wait, wait, but wait. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, don't get to, you don't get to do that twice. And so why would you risk... And, you know, our pastor talks all the time, talks about, he's always at the podium, you know, and he's got this podium and he always points at this little spot over here. And that little spot is our life on earth. And we spend so much time and effort on that tiny little speck compared to the rest of it that represents all of eternity. And that we're not doing enough for that to get there. Yeah. And, and so... You know, I, I, I almost hate the cliche, but but it makes so much sense when a pastor says today is the day of salvation. Um, and it is. If you're not there, if you haven't checked that box, then it's the only one that matters. Yeah, let's get it right right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because I know I'm, I'm pressing hard on the on that button. But I. I Again, I, that's what God is putting on my heart right now. Um, he's just, you know, press the right button, the big button. Don't be him hawing around with the ones that don't matter. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to Micah a little bit. I want Micah to talk to us a little bit about the dynamic in your home because You kind of have a little taste. I mean, you've got three kids, right? A little taste. <laughs> but I want to know what, I want to know what, and I'm telling you, every one of these kids knows the Bible. They know scripture. They know the Lord. So every single night we all sit down in the big room upstairs where mostly the boys sleep. Uh, I think we have five in that one room, but it's a big room. Um, and we all just sit there and take turns praying, one after another. We start from the oldest and go to the youngest. And then, or maybe we start with the youngest and go to the oldest. We switch on and off. Um, and then the older kids, we all do Bible study with Dad every single day. So we all have a study Bible. Or, like, it's not a study Bible, but it's like a read the, whole, the Bible in one year. Mm -hmm. And then, so it, it gives you two to four pages a day to read and then we'll talk to dad about it and then dad will because dad's reading on the same bible he'll talk to us and we'll just have that time and then um we all go to church twice a week and just bounce ideas off the bible off one another one kid will have a question about something and then an older kid will answer his question it's really cool to see or an older an older kid like me or my older brother or my sister will have a question and our parents will answer it. Or sometimes even the, 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 the little kids will answer our questions, you know. And then we'll be sitting there talking with friends or whatever. And just the Bible comes out of everyone, you know. I think that's just, I mean, that's just amazing. Because, um, 
<laughs> we struggled with our three, <laughs> all ten of them. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, he's, he's not he's not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form because uh, Connie and I, Connie's the children's church director at the country church where we go to church, and um, we have a lot of the Johnson kids, the younger ones, in, in uh, Sunday worship for the children. And Laura will be asking questions, and I guarantee you, every single thing she asks, there are five or six Johnson hands in the air because they know the answer. And she has to call on other people because she already knows they know. And so um, to be at that age, you know, I know that God doesn't waste any time. So I was 45 46 when I finally surrendered my life to Christ. There was a reason for that. I think if if somebody, uh, let me back up a tiny little bit. When I was in the military, I joined right out of high school in 89. I did the late entry. I went in 90. And, uh, and one of the guys that was on my ship, on my second ship, uh, Craig Erb, he, um, he's a senior pastor up in Bridgeport, Texas. And uh, the first time I went to Kansas to get coffee, I stayed at his house, you know, for the night. And we had conversations. And I asked him, did you know when you joined the service that God already was calling you to preach? And he said, oh, yeah, I knew it long before I went in the military. I knew. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. But I knew that that's what God had for me. And I was like, dude, why didn't you talk to me about it? I mean, you could have saved me 20 years of horrible life and he says if i would have told you about it back then he says you you might have never come to christ because your heart wasn't ready yet and so um there's also a season for everything and god knew that it wasn't until i was at a certain place at a certain point in my life that i would be receptive enough to understand and to fully surrender you know, and so what were you gonna say? Dad went through that one time. I don't remember who, but someone knew the Lord when he didn't, and he was like, "Why didn't you tell me?" Right? And then he was just kind of thinking more about it. He didn't actually ask him, but he was like, "Maybe what I went through in that time that I didn't know the Lord can help me lead someone else to the Lord." Ooh. So maybe what you went through, whatever it was, you'll meet someone else who's in that spot that you can be like, "That's where I was." Mm. This is where I am now because of God. Yeah, that's good. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good insight from a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, that's why he's he's a blessing. I, every day I think about you know we prayed for a long time. We've had a lot of people help us out of the kindness of their heart. Uh, but I was praying for somebody who would who would buy all in and and to be able to grow with us. And Micah has been that that young man who. Uh, and he's so reliable and he gets mad at himself for making mistakes that I make all the time. And, uh, I just absolutely love it. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, there's not any time to waste. You know, we spend so much of our lives wasting time and, uh, there's just, there's nobody's got time for that. You really don't. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy people out there. People get shot and killed every single day. San Antonio, Bear County, is the number one county in the state for road rage-related deaths. So you could get on the road and somebody run you off and shoot you or whatever. 
and and the big question is that happens is your family going to be distraught because they have no clue or is it going to be a true celebration of life because they know that you're with our lord they know and the bible says we're going to know each other when we get there uh, if y'all don't know who francis chan is you know francis chan francis chan is this evangelical highly motivated uh, I think he's Korean American pastor in California, and and he talks about how he loves his wife so much, and he can't wait to get to heaven with her. But when we get there, it's going to be a different love. There's not going to be a physical, you know, relationship like we have now. And I think somebody talked one time. Well, what happens if I was married like four times, you know, and and like two of them were really good. The last two, you know, and. Like, who am I going to be with in heaven? Well, you're not going to be with anybody because we're the bridegroom. We're Jesus. God is our groom. We're the body. Yeah. And, and, and be honest with you. I don't even know. I always joke around that. I want to talk to Paul and I want to talk to the repentant thief. Um, but the fact is, well, I, I don't even know if I'll be able to, get past being in the presence of almighty God to think about these little stupid things that we think about on earth. And it's a stupid thing. It it is. It's ridiculous because the main thing is, do we have the one box that matters checked? And, and how, how hard is it? It's not hard at all. The Bible says that you have to ask, you have to admit that you're a sinner to Christ. You have to ask God for forgiveness and you have to ask him to, the Bible says specifically, whosoever shall call on his name shall be saved. And so that's not contingent upon any other. It, that's what it says. Whoever shall call on his name shall be saved. Period. Uh, period. There's not if you do this and if you do that. And if you, there's no if ands or buts that's what it says and like a pastor told me a long time ago he took my bible out of my hand and basically you know tapped me on the forehead with it and said you either believe this thing 100 percent or you don't <laughs> and uh and and once you understand that that it is the written word inspired by god almighty then everything falls into place so when you read Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you can believe it with all your heart, and you can believe Revelation 22, we're talking about heaven. You can believe everything in between. Um, and so it uh, it's very important that we stop messing around with things of the world um, and focus on what really, really matters. You know? You can believe in Genesis 1-1 that God created the heavens and the earth, you can believe the rest of the Bible. Yeah. If you believe that God was in the beginning and he's the one that made everything around you, yeah, you can believe the rest of the Bible. I was on a Bible study last night with a bunch of military guys and uh, a little rough at first uh, as typical Marines and, and squids and everybody else. You know, every time you get a bunch of us together, different branches, there's going to be some hazing. I mean, just it happens because we're, you know, we're, I think we're still Cro-Magnum men. But 
knuckle draggers, I like to call us. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, there's, I think it's a little bit of joy that we get ribbing each other. But uh, once it really got started, um, and, and I'm just saying one ad, this is just one little aspect of it, but I believe that, that, that people who have served, uh, you have, like you're rewired. They take your brain apart and they wire it a certain way so that you, that you function a certain way, you think a certain way. Um, and it could be something as simple as like most of us, once we get in the service, we use military time to the day we die. I prefer, you know, 1800 over six o'clock. Um, and that's just something they did to my brain that I don't even think about. It just happens. Mm -hmm. And there's a component to that military life uh, that makes believers like really intense believers, you know, like we're, we're going to take that hill. I'm going to take that scripture and I'm going to carry it to the top of the hill and I'm going to, I'm going to know everything about it. And, uh, and I'm not saying that, it, you know, I'm just saying from my perspective as a veteran, uh, I like to see those things. Uh, and maybe, you know, again, God uses everybody for his purpose. And so I can relate to certain people that maybe somebody else can't. And I encourage you not just to stay in your word, but I encourage you to share it. You know, uh, Will, when my very first mentor told me, we're so consumed in this world with what culture says is okay and what's not okay, that we would tolerate somebody's sin that lives right next to us instead of going over and sharing the gospel with them. Because we, we don't want to get judged. We don't want them to think we're judging them. And we're so consumed with that concept instead of saying, hey, brother, you know, this is what the Bible says. And it's not okay to beat your wife. And I'm not saying my neighbor would do that. I'm just saying, you know, if, if, if you've had problems with alcohol, it's not okay to drink. If you've had problems with, you know, prescription medication that turns into non-prescription medication, it's not okay to get that bottle of pills from your sister and, and take them and start yourself on a path again. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not trying to pick on people. I'm just saying we're more consumed with letting people destroy themselves instead of offering them the one little thing, the one simple thing free, painless, physically painless, well, initially anyway, <laughs> uh, that's that God gives us. It's salvation. And, and, and like Connie says it all the time, nowhere in the Bible does it say once you surrender, it's going to be all peaches and cream because let me tell you, it is not. Uh, you're going to hit some brick walls. Uh, you're going to hit some things that you can't get over, you can't get around, uh, and you're going to scratch your head. You might even ask yourself why. Uh, I can honestly tell you that I never in this entire situation asked God, why did you take him? I didn't ask that. Um, there was some questions I had, like I don't understand. I you know, but I've never second guessed God and said, why, why did you do this? Because I know God has a purpose for everything. 
And I, I know that's really hard for people to swallow because it's not normal, especially with a death. Well, what purpose did God have taking an infant? What purpose did God have taking a child? You know, and those are questions I can't answer. I, I don't know how to explain why God does something. And here's my thing. I don't think God does anything, right? He allows things to happen. Part of it is man, right? I mean, you know, an eight-year-old kid gets shot by a drive-by in a bad neighborhood because his parents are too poor to move out of that neighborhood. That's not God. That is a man who was evil, who was doing something bad, and that child suffered for it, and that family suffers for it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's that's a great example of pretty much what, what all pain and suffering comes down to, right? Which is sin. Like, if we were given the choice, right, to have free will, then what she gave us, he, that means that we have the, the choice to do good or to do bad. And so the fact that we have that choice means that other people can choose to do bad to us. And, you know, and then the Bible talks so much about like loving your enemies, praying for those, like, because it's going back to so many themes that we've talked about. Like, it's not about this life, right? Yeah. Like if we can realize that, like, um, cause we're, we're always so concerned about how we were done wrong. And, and that's, I'm not saying that done wrong is, is good or right, or that we should support yeah. it or should we should do that ourselves. That's not it at all. Right. Um, but when we are done wrong, what's our focus, right? Because kind of going back to what you said, like, I, I think there's, there's multiple different ways that we come across hardships, right? Some is, some is our own decisions, right? Like some of us, other people's decisions. And, you know, the devil certainly has a hand in all of it, right? And, and going back to where you started with James, and this is the part that, that's been meaningful to me also in that scripture is like, it says the trying of your faith. So like, if you go back to other places in the Bible where, where he talks about um, the sower who sows the seed, right? It talks about how Satan comes immediately to try, I mean, amongst the different options, right? He comes immediately to try to take that, right? And even if it, it takes root, he's going to come back with weeds, right? To try to choke it out. We talked about the business, busyness of life already. But anyway, all those things, right, represent different ways where the devil tries our faith. He says, oh, you think you believe in Jesus. You committed your life to Christ. Going back to your point of like, it's not just going to be peaches and roses, right? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, he says, oh, oh, you believe that now. Okay, well let's see if you really believe that. I mean, you, you, th this goes into Job even a little bit. I mean, we don't need to go there, but like, like he's like, well, Job only loves you because of what you do for him. So again, it's the trying of it. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Wow. And, and, the, and even going to what Jesus said, like he said, in this world, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. We overcome right by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, in it's it's keeping the faith it's the trying of our faith this mm. this life is a life of saying the bible says this the devil is going to do everything he can to make it look and he's going to manipulate circumstance and life and people and things other people evil people people who are just ultimately lost right but they do evil things when they're lost right we all do we all sin when we're, when we're not focused on the right things um but he's going to use all those circumstances to make it look like the word of god isn't true and then we sit here and we're like, oh, I don't know. Like the Bible says this, but I have this experience. 
And it's like, what are you going to believe? Are you going to take the Bible and say, no, this is what I believe? Or are you going to take your experience and are you going to elevate that above the word? Because mm. then the trying of your faith didn't go so well, right? Yeah. The Bible says this, the faith, do I, do I believe this? The devil's going to come and he's going to, he's going to put something in your path and be like, let's find out if he believes that. And, wow. and, and we're going to find out. And he, and he does that constantly, right? Every time we, we, we take a step of faith, whether that's initially salvation or just growing in the Lord, um, he's, he's never going to stop putting those those roadblocks out there. But again, if we're walking in the spirit, if we're um, not focused so much on this life and, and being being done wrong, because that's how he derails us super easily, right? Every so time. many times when we're done wrong, like if you really step back and look at it, certainly in in the scheme of eternity, it's nothing. It is. But we make it everything. And then now what have we done? We've just shipwrecked our faith because mm-hmm. now we're in offense, right? We're in unforgiveness. All the things that he said, dude, you can't do that. Right, he's like if you if you go if you go to pray and you have ought against your brother, he's like don't even bother, just stop right there, go fix it and then come back. Like that's how important that is. Like if you want yeah. your prayers to be, and you know, we we wonder like, well, why is this happening? Um, so anyway, these are some things that like try to tie some of those points <laughs> really together. That you mentioned that just are meaningful to me and that that hit on things that I've learned um, throughout life. And again, like, this is stuff that I constantly have to remind myself because it's easy to fall into all those things. It is. Uh, and the devil has been doing it a long time. He he's has. not uh, new at this. He's he, good at he it. He knows what yeah. he's doing. So it's on us to, to do like what you said, right? Be in the word, um, you know, take those first steps, just accept what he did. You know, we don't have to understand it all. We have to understand that we have a need for him. We understand that he did what was necessary to forgive us from that. Um, and it's a free gift and we accept it. And then we just, walk that out in our lives, um, learn and grow mm. and get in fellowship with other people, read yep. our Bible, um, fellowship with the Lord ourselves in prayer, all those being the cornerstones, I think. So that's pretty amazing insight. Uh, something yeah. that you touched on too, that reminded me about, um, you know, when whatever situation you're in, whether it's addiction or whatever, whatever it is in my particular case, um, the guilt that I feel like I didn't do enough for my son, the regret for the things that I did do that probably harmed that relationship, uh, the things that I didn't do to help that relationship, the guilt, the regret, the pain, all that stuff, that's not from God. God's not putting that stuff on my heart. The Bible says the East, how far is the East from the West? That's how far God removes you from your sin. He's, he doesn't have a tally book. Oh, you know what? You, you remember when you were and you didn't do that? You know, I'm going to write it down right now. There's none of that. So when you feel those things, when you feel pressure or you feel guilt or you feel ugly because somebody's, you know, um, you're, you're having addiction or whatever it is, I promise you a thousand percent. And Connie hates that. It's a hundred percent, whatever. Um, that's the devil doing that. Because he comes to destroy everything that is of God because he knows. Listen, we've all read the book. I can tell you what happens in the end. The devil don't win. And so he's going to do everything he can until now, uh, until that happens to create havoc in your life, create chaos in your life. And, you know, I tell people all the time, man, don't let the devil steal your joy. Uh, Because that joy comes from God. 
the regret, the pain, the guilt, the, you know, the ugliness, whatever dirtiness that you feel, that is all from the devil. And all you have to do is push him out. So last words, Micah, anything? Not really. Y'all covered everything. <laughs> you have anything to add? Yeah, I'll just add, um, from the first time that I met you, I was uh, encouraged and um, challenged, I think, just by how open you were with your faith and how you were just putting it out there. I mean, obviously, you, your company does that as well. So you found a passion that you could that you could um, do that in. And so, but fr from the time that I met you, it was apparent, like, you love the Lord and that you wanted to know the others to know the Lord too. And then fast forward to now, obviously through this situation, it's been so just wonderful to see how you guys have focused this whole situation again on proclaiming the name of Jesus and pushing people in that direction. And I want to commend you for that. Like, but I also, I also think that that is a source, an immense source of the healing. Right. When we're going through things, when we choose to take our eyes off of ourselves and what we're going through and put it on others. And how can I use this situation to bless others? It heals ourselves. Like in those moments, I remember like when it happened to us too, like so many people came up to us and shared their stories. And, and we kind of talked about this the other day too, but like the, the process of us um, and not that we don't grieve and, and take that time of grieving and mourning as it is, right? I think there's a time for that. And then there's a time to move on. And that may be different for different people. And that's, and that's fine. And, and you're always going to remember it. And there's always going to be those feelings and that doesn't go away. But, but that, that time of mourning, right? Like you, you can help yourself so much with that and bring the joy in when you're again, switching it and focusing it on others. Like, how can I use this situation to help others? It brings so much healing. I know it did for us and I've seen it work for you. I mean, the memorial, like it was just so amazing to see like your face, like light up when you got up there to just give a message about how much. Um, you love the Lord and how JC loved the Lord and just experience, uh, sharing those experiences. Um, it, it was, it was so interesting. Like we, 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 Mike and I were sitting there in the pew and, you know, we were watching you shake hands with people and, and it was a somber face you had on, but like, man, the face that you had when you got up there, it was like, I get to share Jesus with people yeah. and in the, and I could just sense the joy coming on you when, when you did that. So I, I, those are just some observations that I've had like throughout. Knowing that you. was really cool. Yeah, and I wanted to just um, commend you on that and encourage you to continue that. I think it's it brought healing in our lives. I know it'll bring it has brought and will continue to bring has, healing in your life. It as has. Well, so. It's uh, and it's not. I'm getting all teary eyed because uh, it it was pretty. You know that day that Connie and I were were driving up to San Antonio for the memorial. Uh, I had it took me about four days to write the one page of notes that I had. Um, I just couldn't do it. Every time I get started, I you know start crying and, and feeling bad. But but then um, I just kept looking at that picture of me baptizing him, and know that God, like I said earlier in the show, God really set me up for this. He let He let us heal as a father and son, and then He let me be part. I remember my mentor used to tell me all the time because I was I wanted everybody to pray for my son at one time. I'm like, we all got to pray. We, we got to pray for his salvation. And my mentor gave me some really solid advice. He said, brother, I love you to death, but just know 
that you may go to your grave and not know the fate of your son. God may save him through your death. God may save him through something else. You don't know. I just don't want you to get all your hopes up and then blame God for not acting. Well, God knew what was going to happen. And he's like, I'm going to give it to you all right now. And he did. And I got to be part of the struggle that JC was having. And I got to watch him and see him and hear him choose God. And then I got to be part of it because he wanted me to baptize him. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I get excited about that. You know, it, I mean, it sucks. I, you know, I miss my son. Um, it, it really sucks, but the joy of knowing where he is and knowing that he's with my dad and that we're all going to be together for all of eternity, uh, it, it shadows anything that happens down here. Yeah. Anything. There's nothing down here that is going to compare to the life we're going to have uh, living in glory with God for all eternity. And so, uh, you know, if if you don't know, if you don't know what we're talking about, crying out loud, reach out. Reach out to somebody that you know who's saved. One of those holy rollers that's always reading his Bible, I ask him. I've been called all kinds of stuff. You know, I I got saved at a job that I was at for 13 years. And I can tell you that there was a lot of disbelief when it happened. They're like, you? Whatever. You know, what are you, some kind of holy roller now? Matter of fact, I'm a new person. Um, yeah, I'm a completely new creation. And God can do that for you. That's one other thing I wanted to say before we, before we sign off. But... Um, some people always say, well, I want to do that, but I, I don't, you know, God's not going to want me like this. I need to, I need to get cleaned up. I need to, I need to get off drugs. I need to, I need to, you know, whatever it is that you have, God has already seen it. There's nothing in this world. There is no new sin. There's nothing that you've invented. He's already seen it. The only thing that can cover it up is Jesus' blood. That's it. And let me be very clear about Jesus' blood. And and a pastor told me this, and it's always stuck in my head. Pastor John Mitten from Everyday Christian, he said, the, say, the day you surrender your life to Christ, God, Christ covers you in his blood. He already died for us. He's already covered us for every sin that we've done. What we're doing now and all our futures, he covers us. So when God looks down, he doesn't see the dirty, filthy rats that we are. All he sees is the blood of his son and he accepts. And so we can get grafted into that family. Yeah. All we have to do is surrender to Christ. It's that simple. It's literally that simple. So, uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. We're going to give a message every week. Like I said, I don't know where it's going to go. You guys have followed me for years. We've been doing this for several years now. Um, never scripted it. Um, I've never had a list of questions. I've never had a, you know, a complete Bible study that I was going to issue, you know, on the, on the show. And I like it better that way because I like to let God move the conversation where he needs it. Cause somebody out there is going to watch this and go, wow, you know, 
and, and it may not happen tomorrow morning. I mean, you may not call somebody as soon as this is over and, hey, man, I need to know right now. But maybe on Sunday when you go to church, maybe you feel a little uncomfortable going through the motions. That's the Holy Spirit pushing you to let go and let God do God. So I encourage you to reach out, to ask questions. I encourage you to come back here next week on Friday. Um for God Country Coffee, Season 7, Episode 2. And uh, eventually we're going to get his dad in here with him and me and Micah. And it's going to be a comedy show. It'll That'll be a Christian be a comedy show. But, <laughs> That'll but, be a show. But uh, I, I will tell you that uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, when, when I guess Justin really knew on that we were really struggling to get through some things, uh, he sent me the silliest videos you've ever seen in your life. They were ridiculous. And I, I can't, they were on vacation and he was doing these videos <laughs> and you just got to scratch your head and go, you know, what's wrong with my brother is no small thing. And, uh, I love him to death. Justin, we love you. I wish you could have been here tonight. And, um, I uh, appreciate everything that you've done for our family, Sana, Nathan, you and your wife, Jada, and um, and of course Micah's my, my Micah's a rock. He's just really, really supported me at a time where I didn't want to do coffee. I didn't feel like coming out to the shop and roasting, and Micah just looks at the orders and fires the machine up and gets everything done. And so, uh, God knows what He's doing. God's got a big plan, and we we're not allowed to see it. So. Uh, we just got to be faithful enough to know that his plan is better than my plan, better than any of our plans. And so um, I, I uh, thank you for coming. I really appreciate all the support that we've received. And um, and catch us next uh, next Friday at 1900 for God Country Coffee. And uh, till then, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. Until next weekend, God bless you. Go to church on Sunday. Call me if you don't know. You can come to church with me. I love you guys. God bless. Mm -hmm.